Hello and welcome back to the Grubcast. I'm Jim Grubb. We've been talking about the tools of automation and visibility and how we're starting to unlock the power of data from the network and from the telemetry that we get from the network. So in this week's episode, I've invited Sunil Amin to speak from, uh, and Sunil's from our StealthWatch product group, and we're going to talk a little bit about the product, where it came from, and where we're going with it. Good morning, Sunil. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. Well, Sunil, where I wanted to start was just, you know, give us a little bit of history because, of course, StealthWatch is a product that came from an acquisition of a company called Landcope. Uh, I'm trying to remember. When when was that acquisition done? January 2016. January 2016. So it's been a while now. Um, but tell us a little bit about how Landcope got its start and how we then, when Cisco acquired it, uh, how we integrated into the portfolio. Absolutely. Um, so... Landcope and Stealthwatch has been around for a significant amount of time. Uh, I just celebrated my 16th anniversary uh, of working with the product. Um, wow. But the company was actually founded back in 2000 um, by a professor who is uh, at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Uh, and he discovered that uh, he was getting a lot of discovering network intrusions within his network uh, that the IDS, IPS on the perimeter or the AV on the endpoint hadn't, wasn't, wasn't catching. Uh, and and he took that as an opportunity to to do, to apply some very clever techniques uh, to the to the observations he was making on the network to discover threats. So um, you know our our foundation is in the fact that attackers have always been able to outpace signatures, uh, and so we're not trying to do that very purposefully. We're trying to detect threats by analyzing uh, behaviors on the network rather than uh, singular pieces of data and so, pattern matching. So give me an example of, uh, of a clever technique. Sure. Um, so we track, for example, within the product, the, the traffic patterns for every endpoint that we're seeing. So for example, the amount of data that you're sending to the internet, um, exchanging with the internet, the amount of data you're exchanging within the network, uh, within internal services. Uh, and we model what is normal uh, for each of those endpoints. Mm. Uh, and so the clever techniques are, are these mathematical techniques that allow you to take that data stream, those numbers, and then look for outliers and say, that is unusual. Um, but that's just the beginning. Once, you, once you've identified what's unusual, um, we want to work out whether that's actually a threat or just um, a benign anomaly. Right, so right. Um, we have multiple layers of analysis that then, then gets kicked off uh, to, to, to narrow in on the actual threats. Okay. Well, so, so back to the history. Sure. Yeah, so you know, when the company was founded and the first release of the products, we were actually just looking at packets um, that were you know mirrored off the wire, either a tap or a span port, um, uh, and it was very effective uh, as a complementary uh, complementary technique with IDS and, and antivirus. Uh, however, you know, once a threat has kind of got inside your network, or if it is started from within the network, uh, i.e., an insider threat, um, you know, getting Getting eyes on those packets across the entire organization is actually quite difficult and often expensive. Uh, maybe just not even practical right. for lots because of environments. Because essentially, you've got to you got to have span ports enabled on every switch, and then somehow you have to be collecting that data across every device. Absolutely, yeah. we call that the east-west traffic, the stuff that never never hits a perimeter. Right. Um, right. Because yeah. you can obviously you can listen to the ingress egress, 
and you now capturing everything that's coming on or off your network. But because our networks are so highly segmented now, we really don't have the ability to see what's happening east-west. Precisely. So, um, so, so on one hand, that was happening. We, we were discovering that as a, a challenge. And on the other hand, we, you know, if you really looked at the analysis that we were doing, it, it only really needed the packet header. Um, and that's when we came up with this idea of using NetFlow, which was this traffic management and monitoring capability in Cisco devices, uh, and using that as a telemetry source to do this at scale um, across the entire network. So basically deputizing every network device to be our eyes and ears uh, on the network. Uh, and that's a theme that you know we we started back then, uh, and we're still, you know, we're still pursuing. We are we are very aggressive of finding more and more telemetry sources, so we can constantly keep an eye on the things that the customer right. needs. So it sounds like the the real um, value in your product is not the collection part. It's the how do you take that telemetry and that data and turn it into something that's meaningful. Absolutely. You know? Now, don't get me wrong, we do keep it around. So we found it it's, it's also a very, very useful investigation tool. For forensics. It's yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yes, it's what you do with the data is the analysis. Um, um, so you know that's kind of our, we have a layer cake uh, to, to kind of describe our approach to this problem. Uh, at the bottom is telemetry, the data you, you're referring to. The, the next layer is the synthesis and analysis that um, then provides the third layer, which is your outcomes. And our outcomes are definitely focused around security, but also around ident just, just visibility, just identifying what's on your network. Um, right. You can't protect what you don't know and understand. So, you know, for, for many of our customers, the step one with Stealth, which is just understanding what's there. Just seeing, just having the ability to see what are all the devices that are that are talking on your network? Essentially, correct. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we do this um, often in the in, in the in the field trials where uh, we ask the customer to guess how many endpoints they have on the network, <laughs> yeah. and they're generally off. Often, probably by, by an order of magnitude. By an right? order of magnitude. <laughs> yeah. That's very very common because they forget about all the connected devices. Right, you know, right, so. right. Well, it's even true in your home these days, right? With your thermostats and your doorbells and, you know, all of those things. Refrigerator. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so 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 when you, when you started the company, you were really trying to solve this problem that there were things that were going undetected in your network that, that might not be, that you couldn't get to through a uh, traditional tool like an IPS or an IDS or... That's correct, yes. And so... Uh, like I said, we're very complementary with those technologies, and they've also evolved, you know, heavily over the time that I'm talking about. Um, but we've always found a spot, kind of in between them, uh, and filling the gaps um, uh, in threat detection. So yeah. uh, we continue to do that uh, quite successfully. We've, 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 you know, one of the wonders of being inside Cisco is that uh, we can now do things that we could never do outside of Cisco. Uh, namely, we own the telemetry source. Right. So we can go go to those groups and say, can you add this for us? Right. So uh, you get, then, get into the iOS code and have them add a new right. feature so that you get that extra capability. And on the other side, on the analysis side, um, there are lots of very, very smart people here at Cisco who have who have helped us add additional analytics on that data. Right. Well, yeah. also, if you, if you just look at the number of security acquisitions that Cisco has done over the last few years, and then combining the telemetry that comes, you know, that goes into our Talos Security Operations Center, right, where we're looking at 100 billion 
DNS requests a day and 600 billion email scans a day. I'm sure all that that rich telemetry gives all of our security products, you know, uh, better insights into who are the bad actors, essentially. Absolutely, but you know, you mentioned Talos and uh, you know, just being able to work with those guys um, in a bi-directional manner has been been amazing. They are they are quite a team. Um, I don't think there's any, anyone can claim a threat research team of that co- yeah. quality. Well, and, and, you know, part of it is obviously to the quality. I'm not discounting the quality of the people in the Talos team. Obviously, we have some really smart uh, engineers in there. But Talos also has more data to work on finding these things than, than any other security operation center in the world just because of all of that telemetry that we get from Cisco devices that are installed around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And as we move to uh, a more software-defined world and things that are not necessarily hosted within private networks and more cloud-born, uh, the the, RX, the accessibility of that telemetry will actually grow, sure. which, is, uh, which is exactly what we need in right. order to be able to um, keep on top of the... Um, Keep ahead of the. Uh, well, you know, attackers. this is this is what I I always say. You know, one of the challenges we have from a security perspective is there's a there's a lot more bad guys than there are good guys, and if we don't start putting intelligence to work to solving the problem, we'll never we'll never catch up, right? And so these kinds of tools are really valuable in terms of that. It really gives us a uh, a lead on the on the bad actors, essentially. Yes, absolutely. You know. There is a genuine shortage of talented um, security analysts. So our part of Stealthwatch's job is to is to automate what they do, and it's very much a right. pillar of, 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 of our thinking. You know, you've got the detection, and then you've got this investigative process, automating that, so a single person um, yeah. can 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 uh, increase their throughput essentially. Sure, sure. Are there also ways to reduce? The number of false positives because we we can now correlate across a number of different tools for example are we doing any things like that um absolutely because you know in the in the world that i live in we live in within stealth watch it is the world of um anomalies and anomaly detection and and saying something is weird but turning something you know a, a statement that this is unusual to this is a threat um it's actually a very it's an art form yeah, and so we have layers and layers of analytics that kind of automate that process of, of understanding the uh, the weird, and saying this is actually a threat or it's just a benign yeah. blip, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely, that that's that's an art form, and one of the things we've done most recently uh, post acquisition was is work with the Cognitive Intelligence Group, right? Um, based out in Prague, and 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 these this is a a group of highly talented data scientists who whose job in life is to do exactly that, that to go through this they call it a data re- reduction process and multi-layer machine learning yeah. to turn to reduce fp fp rates as much right. as possible without yeah. you know um dumbing it down so much that we're missing stuff so yeah because the is problem is awful. otherwise you end up with alert fatigue right <laughs> and, and there's no and you just get so many alerts that it's kind of like my cell phone when it starts beeping i don't even pay attention to it anymore Right, exactly. Um, I, I, you know, that's funny you should say that. that that's that been a focus of ours f- for many years because, uh, um, you know, if you're not careful, like you pointed out, you can you can get fatigued. The user can get fatigued. Um, one interesting thing we did on that front with the SaaS offering um, is in, in that particular incarnation of the product, uh, every alert, you, we're, we're, they were very, very curated about, you know, what alerts are, 
are, are presented to the user. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but with every alert, when you go to acknowledge it, there are, we actually ask you a simple question. Was this alert helpful, yes or no? And we actually manage uh, and analyze those so you're learning very, very carefully, yes. Yeah, and over time, you imagine you can, you can uh, the more input you get from users saying this was valuable, the more data you have. Do you, and then do you, do you share that, that uh, I don't know what do you want to call it, curation? Do you share that across instances, right? Or is it, is it purely that I'm learning about, you know, a specific network and the behaviors on that network? Or, or do, do those things translate across different environments, for example? Uh, absolutely, a bit of both. Um, I mean, of, of course, there's uh, one user's experience can help inform us about all of the user's experiences. Yeah. Uh, but also there are often, you know, some some unique characteristics of that particular user's environment, which may, may be the reason he didn't find something helpful. Right, right. Um, you certainly don't want to filter out something that you need to pay attention to. That's right. Um, but maybe, you know, a lot of the time, maybe it's, um, you know, if, if, there, if there are too many of the same type of alerts, uh, it's an opportunity for us to maybe collapse them in, into one and use those sort of techniques. Uh, sure. But but exactly right. We don't want them to be tired, so tired of saying, of seeing these unhelpful things uh, yeah. that they end up not, not yeah. acting upon them. Okay, so let's roll back for a second. So first of all, we have at the, at the base of this, we're collecting data and we collect data from packet headers, from span ports on bridges or routers. Uh, and then and then we also are collecting from NetFlow. Are there other forms of sensors? Yes, and NetFlow and IPFix, absolutely. So uh, virtually every every device um, that Cisco <laughs> essentially produces, we, we can collect some form of telemetry from. So NetFlow and IPFix are the major forms there. Um, you know, more recently with the um, the movement of customers' workloads, uh, data center workloads into public cloud infrastructures like Azure, GCP, the Google One, and um, Obviously, AWS. Yeah. Uh, we've 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 worked hard to instrument those environments, um, uh, and they they have their own unique flavors of the telemetry we need um, mm -hmm. that we, we're actually working with. So, how do you do that? That's 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 interesting. So, you you want to instrument a cloud workload? Is that software that they add on to the customer's configuration when they go to provision a workload, for example? Or how does that work? So, first of all, it's completely agentless. The customer has to does nothing different um, in their own um, environments. Okay, and uh, that so that would I imagine that would also include if you already have an environment spun up and you want to add the StealthWatch capabilities to that environment, you don't have to do anything. It's already it, it's already instrumented. It is. You just have to switch it on okay. and give StealthWatch the permission to access it. So um, I've deployed it multiple times in AWS, and I can you know. Uh, if, if you already have uh, a VPC, VPC set up in AWS, yeah. you can instrument it and get StealthWatch up and running in about six or seven minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it's okay, really so AWS, Azure, you said? Yeah, so right. AWS was um, the first one and, and, and definitely has our deepest support. Um, then as of last spring, Google, we were, uh, Google was able to provide us a, a very similar data set. And as of the end of last year, uh, Microsoft Azure is also offering it in a limited number of regions for now, uh, but we're trying. Yeah, to, we're okay. working hard with them to persuade them to. to well, this is pretty cool. Roll it out. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty cool because now you can go end to end, and if you have 
microservices-based environments where part of the application may be on-prem, part of it might be coming from the cloud, you now have, essentially, you've got end-to-end telemetry now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up microservices because that's the one other component. So outside of the, the big three cloud providers, um, microservices deployed in Kubernetes clusters is becoming a, a, a really big thing, whether right. it's on-prem right. or any of those cloud providers or in a private data center. So we also have instrumentation into Kubernetes oh. to also get the inter-cluster traffic. Right. Um, so right, again, it's, right, it's back right. to this pattern where, you know, technology, um, digital business technology shifts and there is a hole in our visibility and then we have to go back and right, put it in. Right, um, right, right, Fill right. that hole. So sure. uh, it's this constant, constant game. I mean, it's very enjoyable, but, yeah, yeah, you know, no, yeah, so, but, but with Kubernetes and the public clouds, um, we now have a single place for you to go look at the threat analytics. Right. So it's pretty unique because, um, you know, as we poll our customers, um, very few of them, are, all of them are using or going to use public cloud infrastructures, but none of them are going to use just one. That's right. Yeah, that's that's just the, the nature of it because the different clouds do things better in certain ways or, you know, there's diff- different uh, pricing structures that are more advantageous depending on the kind of app that you've rolled out or in those Precisely. kinds of things. Precisely. Yeah. And so we're really excited to be able to, to, be able to show all three instrumented uh, and working in the product. Yeah. Okay, so we collect the data, then we analyze the data. Now, when you analyze the data, uh, what? How does that work? What is there? Is there a virtual machine? Is there an appliance? Wh- wh- where does the software that does the analytics run? Ah, actually, all of the above. You can, you can grab it in a virtual machine. Obviously, that's very, very popular. Uh, if you want the hardware, we can ship it on UCS. That's, that's also uh, that's also possible. And if you want to just consume it as a SaaS product, as a SaaS offering through the cloud portal, you can do sure. that too. Sure. Because I, I mean, obviously, if you've got, if you're if you're monitoring your cloud workloads, it would make a lot of sense that the, <laughs> the software that's monitoring be in the cloud as well. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Okay. So I understand there's some new things that we're going to be announcing shortly here, or we have announced with uh, with StealthWatch. Tell us about some of the new things that we've uh, per- made available lately. Yeah, so we launched a solution called Encrypted Traffic Analytics uh, just over a year ago, I think it is. Um, uh, and we've really been working hard on that solution and making to making it successful. Uh, a lot of um, trials over trials and validation over the last year, and um, um, now encrypted traffic analytics. This is the capability that you can get in your Catalyst access switches. Is that correct? Correct. That one one of many places. But um, again, it's one. It's the wonders of Cisco. So let me ex- explain the pro- the problem we were trying to solve with this solution. So um, with the with the rise of the uh, proportion of traffic on networks that are encrypted. There are certain s- security and threat detection techniques um, that that fall short. So with TLS um, in general and 1.3 specifically, um, there is less and less unencrypted information that we can extract out of that header or that handshake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so with ETA, we were able to... Um, it was actually a research project within Cisco, and we met those guys when we after we were acquired, and it became a very natural part of uh, StealthWatch uh, as far as it, it felt like that was the natural place for it to live. It's doing the same kind of things that StealthWatch does already. Correct. Yeah. So we were already collecting this flow data and looking at headers. Um, what the research team, uh, uh, the, the ETA research team had discovered is that if we were to extract a few other data features out of the network stream, 
uh, we were able to identify malware that was using encrypted channels to communicate and to spread. Um, and there was a, a, a seminal paper written about this uh, that you can go download. But um, we, we took that idea and really ran with it. Um, so, you know, at the telemetry layer, um, the Cat9Ks can uh, have these, they have the ability to emit these extra two extra fields. Uh, one is called the initial data packet. Uh, it is exactly as it sounds. It's the it's the first payload packet in each direction of a conversation. Um, of course, a lot a lot of that is encrypted in TLS 1.3, but it could still be used. Um, think of it as a fingerprint. Yeah, uh, or body language. Body is the way language. I like to look That's at it. Good yeah. Way of fitting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The other the other is the sequence of packet lengths and times SPLT. Um, and if you can think about how a piece of software interacts. Um, Just to be clear, so that sequence of packet lengths and times is unique to certain t applications or, in other words, uh, a typical web www port 80 request has a certain sequence and, uh, and times and a, there's a, with all the handshakes that are going on and everything. And so what we're doing is we're fingerprinting that sequence and we know what a command and control sequence looks like, and that's how we can spot it, essentially. Precisely. Um, a little more complicated than that. Yeah, but, uh, I know. Well, but, I'm trying to make it so I can yeah, understand no, absolutely. it. Right? <laughs> um, and as I was saying, the greatest thing of being part of Cisco is um, because we own, we, we build the network elements, we can go visit those groups and say, can you add this? So right, the, right. ca the Catalyst 9K was the definitely the first device to have the support. Since then, we've worked hard on on widening the support of these fields within the, the network elements. So ISRs, ASRs, the virtual routers. Um, you know, we're going to everyone. So that essentially, we we at some point we might be able to do ETA everywhere. That would that would be my hope for sure. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, and on the analysis side, um, you know, you could do very basic analysis where you can say these applications are using this level of encryption. So on the sort of audit side, making sure that the things that you prize the most are using the strongest encryption. Right, so we can right. see the t not just the TLS version, but um, you know uh, the ciphers that were in play and uh, and other details about the level of encryption. And so if you're you know if you're if you have a compliance a reason sure to I would imagine if you're in healthcare and you have HIPAA and who knows what regulations are going to come based on, you know, what's happening with privacy and everything else. So now we will actually be able, in software, we will be able to determine if you're compliant. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. and weed out all of the vulnerable applications that are running in your, in, in your environment. But of course, that, you know, that privacy has an, has an, there's the other side of that particular coin, which is the bad guy can use that encryption as well. Um, mm. And so the other use case around encrypted traffic analytics is the malware detection. So as I said, we're collecting these fields and then we use our um, cloud-based uh, machine learning, multi-layer machi machine learning system that is cognitive intelligence to do the malware detection. Mm. Uh, and we've been very, very successful with it. Um, so the last year we've been, you know, obviously um, rolling this out to customers. Um, but one of the interesting things, again, we get to do in Cisco is that we often we roll out the solution at trade shows, so we actually monitor the right. uh, attendee which, traffic. Which, by the way, 
tend to be the most heavily attacked networks in the world <laughs> because the, the smart people are there and they're trying to break into, you know, to show how smart they are, right? Precisely. <laughs> and, it, and it's actually a lot of fun. But, you know, we um, uh, it's, also, it's also useful because that's data that we can then share because, you know, Customer telemetry, we don't really want to share, but, of course, yeah. but trade trade flow, trade show floor is it's it's fair game. So yeah. we do this at Cisco Lives, do this at um, um, Mobile World, World Congress, mm. Um, mm. and the and the and the numbers are really really interesting. So you know you know just back to privacy, you know the the proportion of traffic that's encrypted is just it's just it continues to rise. Right. The last well, Cisco because Live, every application developer is building it into their app yeah. now just because. And it's super simple, yeah, right? Yeah. Coding yeah. that's not that difficult yeah, anymore. Yeah. So I think at Cisco Live, Barcelona, we're up to 90 plus percent of traffic that's encrypted. And everything that's not is mostly kind of management stuff. Right. Um, and then within that encrypted traffic, we were able to, we, we, we discovered many, many threats. So last year's Mobile World Congress, we had like 350 confirmed incidents uh, within encrypted traffic. Wow. And so, wow. you know, one of the observations we're making is that the detections we're finding, then um, they're mostly net new, as in we haven't seen them before. Um, and while there may not be a ton of them, they're definitely of the higher priority type. Right. Uh, because right. you can imagine the more invested, targeted attackers are using the best encryption. Right. They're the most so. sophisticated, sure. And they're trying to hide their they're trying to hide their tracks. Yeah. So. I would imagine also there's some benefit from an IT management perspective, at least just to know what's what's on your network, right? I mean, you know, the network management tools, everything's encrypted. All you know is you've got SSL, right? You have no idea what's actually flowing on your network when that starts to happen. So I imagine this allows you to really get a, a greater visibility then because we can do it without having to decrypt the packets. And by the way, it's still private because we're not looking at the payloads, essentially. Yeah, we're not decrypting yeah. anything here. Right. Um, no, you're absolutely right. So, you know, as we mentioned earlier, part of, you know, kind of foundational to security is knowing what you're securing and yeah. what's, what you have on your network and what they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, role determination and, right. uh, and device classification has been a theme right. that has run in parallel with all our threat detection. Right. Um, so, right. you know, with each. Right. So we have our ICE, our identity services engine, which is typically used to categorize the different people, things, groups, things. So do you interoperate with ICE then? Yes, absolutely. We, we, we're definitely pulling. Um, there is an integration under which we are getting all of the telemetry around network access from ICE, mm. uh, which includes which security groups they're in and what, what ICE thinks the device profile is, uh, and, and that's definitely useful information. And then within our own system, where we, we continue to improve the way um, we identify the role of a particular device. And with ETA, we've got more to, more to work with now. So you know, at one level, um, there is a technique we, we could bring to bear where we were, were able to we can identify the actual piece of software that's running at the other end of okay. that network connection, yeah, yeah. and then use that uh, uh, mixed in with all the information we're getting from ICE and other places to, to kind of determine the role of the device. Like right, or you could, you could, if the device says, I'm a blood pressure monitor, and it's not, <laughs> you have the ability to see that and then alert on that potentially, right? Absolutely, and I, that, and I, I think you've just described, I think, where we're going to, where we, where, we, where we have to and will end up uh, over the coming year uh, and be able to pinpoint that precisely. Right, so... So device classification, 
versus application. You, is that the TLS that you were talking about? Yes, yeah, so there's multiple levels to this. So identifying the piece of software at the end of the connection is one thing. Um, but what soft, what device that piece that software sits on is kind of the next level. Right. Um, right. The IT managers um, want to know about the device itself. Sure, because that yeah. could be a vulnerability too, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so you know, identifying it as a developer's laptop versus um, an iPhone, for example, uh, is kind of the level we want to get to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there's you know there's there's so much around identity, and as, especially as we start to use identity, and we we are dependent on identity to get policy right. You know, then that becomes even more important that we that we know who you are, is who you are, and who who you say you are, and then in that way, we make sure we're applying the correct policy and restricting access or allowing access. You know, based on that, not just based on what the device reports itself back to be, right? That's correct. And, you know, ICE has got a really elaborate policy model that allows it to uh, selectively choose who can get on sure. the network and what they can access. So interacting with, with ICE has been re- been really important. Yeah. Um, we, we actually have a button that allows you, in StealthWatch, that allows you to react to a threat, detected threat, and actually instruct ICE to, to quarantine. Oh, this is interesting. So this is this is part of this sort of sense and respond capabilities that we see happening across the portfolio where we have sensors and telemetry and then we have intelligence detecting something and then because we have the controllers for implementing policy we can we can change that policy it's, this is i like to say this is cisco's version of the self-driving car right it's a self-driving infrastructure so tell me more about that yeah i mean it's actually been a, a feature of the product for, for quite a while before before we actually got acquired um, and of course, it's evolved over time. But the um, current incarnation is uses a, a feature of ICE called uh, ANC, Adaptive Network Control, where we're able to instruct ICE to 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 take action. So we used to call it quarantine. It has this now it has this fancy yeah. name. Uh, <laughs> but basically, put that endpoint in a place where it cannot create create any damage. So right, right. Either right. a VLAN where it's either kick it off the network completely or put it into a safe zone. Sure. Uh, where yeah. it can't get to critical assets uh, and maybe just can go, go get its software up there. Right, right. But that's completely configurable within ISO because, you know, obviously ISO, it, it, it's kind of its job. So, um, sure. yeah, it's completely configurable. Now, there. we talked about Talos. Do you, do you also feed intelligence to Talos from the analytics that you're doing in, the, in, in, in StealthWatch? Um, not yet, but uh, that's, a, that's, some, that's definitely something we've talked about, uh, obviously, with our... SaaS offering, we have uh, eyes and ears uh, across our customer base that uh, right. that um, could be very useful in the threat hunting and, and isolation right. work or, that Talos does. Or even identifying a new type of malware that's doing something new that no one's ever seen before, you know, from a behavior perspective. Precisely. Right. Uh, and with our cognitive intelligence um, engine running on that data, that's, that's precisely what we're doing there it is actually finding potential potentially new campaigns so not just yeah. there is a piece of malware but it is part of this overall campaign targeting these parts of the global globe the global internet sure. Um, sure. And, and has common command and control for example all right so well before we finish up um what's on the roadmap what's coming up that's uh, going to be exciting that you're working on that you'd like to let folks know about 
Yeah, so I, I think the, the most important things are, are around continuing to put visibility back um, into the areas of the business, digital business that are, uh, are moving to places where maybe it wasn't. we can't use traditional techniques. So we talk about multi-cloud and that's certainly one mm-hmm. and we've got to track that closely. But, uh, you know, using, the, I'm really excited about the, the potential of working with the firepower team and the products in that portfolio, part of the portfolio to use that um, uh, uh, as a sensor and as an actuator, right? Because they can also be a control point. Right, right. So, you know, that's a really, really rich da- data set. On the unencrypted side, they, they pull out all sorts of stuff because that Snort engine is, 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 right. is, is, is looking through all of, the, all, of the, all of the packet payloads. And on the encrypted side, it's a way for us to extend the ETA solution. Well, that's exciting. That's that's pretty pretty interesting things that you're doing. What what are you looking at moving forward? What's on the horizon? Yeah, so ex- you know, again back to our layer cake. You know, one side we want to extend the telemetry sources to to to, to more of the Cisco portfolio, and we're also obviously always adding new analytics techniques to um, to keep uh, keep up with the attacker and the bad guys. But on the telemetry side, yes, you know, extending to the to use the firewalls, uh, the firepower as a mm. as a mm-hmm. sensor and as mm-hmm. an actuator, as well as SD WAN um, as telemetry sources and right. control points. So as you're well. you're going to integrate with DNA Center and all of those components. Uh, yes, absolutely. As well. And, okay. and so I think the roadmap there, if you just think about it, is quite obvious. You know, DNA Center for managed devices, unmanaged devices, SD WAN, the firepower, the endpoint. Um, you know, extending our our eyes and ears to all of those pieces yeah. of the puzzle is a real focus. For no, us. DNA Center has uh, you know has this really u- unique and interesting capability we call assurance, where essentially health monitoring. Right, you get dashboards with the overall health of your network, and you can drill down into the network devices or the client devices. Are you going to be integrating these capabilities into those kinds of tools? Uh, that's the plan. We are we actually in progress process with them right now, just discussing what are the right sort of things to show the personas that look at something like sure. assurance. Yeah, right, um, right. So, uh, but that would be definitely our hope uh, to support assurance in um, in that overall health score of the network and the, and right, the devices right. on it. Because typically, your the people that use StealthWatch today are the security professionals. They're not necessarily the folks that are uh, running the network. Yes, our primary persona in front of the screen is a, is a, is a SOC analyst of right. varying levels, uh, as well as investigators and hunters. Right. So that's our well, usual sp- well, speaking of that, if, if, if uh, somebody wants to get a look at that screen, uh, do we have any dCloud demos where people can have a look at that? Absolutely. So there's dCloud demos of the, uh, the appliance version of the product. Uh, there's also a... Uh, a free trial of the SaaS version of the product. Oh, okay. So yeah. both of these right. are really easy ways for you to get so, experience. So if you've got something already running in the cloud, like a workload up in Amazon, which is already instrumented, you could essentially do run the trial product and actually have it running on your workload. Absolutely. Like I, said, I mentioned earlier, it's super quick to set up. Right. Uh, and I and I highly recommend uh, okay, so, to try it out. So for dCloud, folks can go to dcloud.cisco.com and then at the top level there, search on StealthWatch. What about for the trial? 
Um, well, the simplest way is, way is just to uh, Google for stuff, watch Cloud Trial. Oh, okay. Uh, it should be yeah. the top <laughs> top sure. of the list. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah. So that'll take you to Cisco.com where you can sign up for that trial. Absolutely. Just sign up and you get a 60-day free trial. Yeah. Instrument your, your cloud. It's very, very straightforward. And, uh, and tell us what you think about it. Wow, that's great. Well, Sunil, listen, thanks a lot for joining us today for uh, for our show today. We really appreciate it. I learned a lot about these new these capabilities, and uh, uh, I know you've been here at Cisco for a while because it's been a while since the acquisition, but welcome to Cisco, and uh, thanks for coming and stopping by today. Thanks, Jim. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'm Jim Grubb, and this is The Grubcast. 